You are listening to Agent Court Church's audio podcast. For more information on Agent Court Church, including service times, how to connect, and campus locations, please visit our website at onechurch.to. Okay, guys, so I have to pray this Sunday, and I just want to run it by you guys before I go to Pastor Keith and run my prayer by him. Is that cool with you guys? Yeah, go for it, man. Yeah. All right. Uh, can we just bow our heads? Yeah, for All right. sure. Um, <clears throat> verily, verily, I say unto thee, great unknowable God, whoever hath come apart will not be smitten by the evilest one, nor shalt they departeth. Thus saith the Lord. Amen. So, uh, guys, what do you what do you think? Bro, I think that is the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. Did you want to hear the other one? Listen, I, no, I think I'm Father it! Okay, O'Shea, let's hear your prayer for this weekend. All right. Um, <clears throat> verily, verily, I say unto thee, whoever cometh... Are you kidding me right now? Don't worry, he can't hear us. Don't you know your prayer language has been discontinued? It's time for an upgrade. Ha! And, and you, you, you were saying? Yeah, so God told Moses to go to the other side of the river so they can link up. But then the other mans were cheese. But then the mans there were like, are you mad, mad? O'Shea, I hope God heard that because I didn't understand a thing you said. Huh. <laughs> Reminds me of a story I heard from the late 1800s. How many were around then? If you listen to Dr. Van Hilt, try and convince you that I was. (laughs) But the Billy Graham of the time was Dwight Moody, and and churches in a city would join together and have meetings where they'd invite people to come and hear about what Jesus had done for them. And uh, the first meeting, Dwight Moody was about to get up and uh, help the people understand about Jesus, but a local church pastor got up just before he spoke And he started this prayer that he had prepared, and it said, you know, our great unknowable God, thou sovereign, omnipotent creator, omniscient ruler, and he kept going on and on and on. Apparently, Dwight Moody went up, tapped him on the shoulder, and said to the pastor, call him father and ask him for something. Exactly what Jesus said to do. When his disciples insisted on having a, a seminar on prayer, he actually gave them a prayer. And he said, here's how you start it. Our Father, our Father in heaven. And uh, now, the thing is, though, as soon as I say that, and as soon as maybe you read it in the Bible, our Father, right away we go into three different groups. Our reaction when we hear our Father is to say, oh, that helps, that helps. Another reaction is, that's hollow. It's, it's, it's hollow. And then there are those who, when they hear our Father or anything about a Father, their reaction is, it hurts. It hurts. My prayer in this teaching is, oh God, bring every one of us to a place where we can pray our Father and know what it means. Those that are with us online, some because of the snow, weren't able to get here. 
And, and those of us in this room, I just pray for every one of you that throughout this prayer series that Pastor Jonathan and I are, are teaching, that you will come to a place of closeness with God that Pastor Jonathan talked about last weekend, and a place where you'll say, our, our Father. As a matter of fact, I, I want to invite you to get to a place where you'll be able to say, I've had my Abba Father moment today. This question is, have you had your Abba Father moment yet today? What does that mean? Now, for some of us, when we think of God as Father, it's helpful. I signed me up there. That's me. Uh, my experience with uh, my earthly father helped me understanding, approaching, and trusting Father God. Very, very helpful. There are six C words that I could use to describe my relationship with my dad. Closeness, communication, confidant, chemistry, construction, and canoe trips. <laughs> uh, we did all of those. The closeness. I remember when my dad was uh, just about to go to be with the Lord and spending hours with him in the hospital. Do some very kind deacons in uh, Ottawa where we pastored at the time. We was able to be with my dad during that time. And uh, he, he told me, he says, you know, Keith, you're my best friend. And we were, we were close. We were close. Here, here's a picture of, uh, actually, Esther and I, on our wedding day, we honored our parents as we walked uh, down uh, headed out to, at the recessional time of the wedding ceremony. And, uh, you know, I, I just look at that and I think, yeah, that's just that hug of abandonment. We were so close. The communication, listen, I could talk to my dad about uh, God and about girls. <laughs> I could talk to him about alcohol, drugs, and horses and motorbikes, uh, doubts about God, and wonderful things I discovered about God. We just had a, a communication. Uh, such a wise, godly man that just would give you input that mentored your soul. You know, because of the chemistry, I guess, that's why we did construction and canoe trips together. We just loved getting out, building stuff and getting out into the Canadian wilderness. But when I talked to Esther, my wife, about my dad, she'll often just chime in and she'll say, you know, he was my dad too. He, he, he fathered me too. She'd say, he, he could see right through you into your soul. My brother and I, it was over 20 years since my dad had gone to be with the Lord. We were in Langley where I was uh, um, getting one of my sisters married off out there, officiating at the wedding. And my brother and I took some time to go out to my dad's graveside in Langley, British Columbia. And as we stood there, my brother, how can I put it? He's a lot more economic with his emotions than I am. But as we stood there, he said, Keith, you know, not a day goes by that I don't think of dad and miss him. What about his grandchildren? When I asked my two boys, David and Matthew, what do you miss most about your poppy, about grandpa, about my dad? Uh, they paused and they, I expected them to say, well, remember that time we did that crazy thing together? We went out in the woods together. It was fun. And uh, you know what they said? His presence. His presence. His story's been told in an article or two, and uh, sometimes a policeman that worked for him will get a hold of me and say, you know, your dad was the real deal. Uh, he, he's a man of character, and I love working for him because he was their boss in where they worked in the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. So what am I saying? I'm saying that for me to say, God, you're my father. I'm already there. <laughs> I... I I have no problem just turning to him at any time of day 
talking to him about anything, trusting him with my everything. No problem. And in the room right now and uh, joining us online, there are people, listen, if you had, you didn't, none of us had a perfect father, but how many had a father that provided a template for you? to make it easy to go and trust God. You know, if you do, you need to just take a moment right now and just say, thank you, God, for my earthly dad. Thank you, God. But uh, I think it's likely the majority of people that are listening to me right now, that, that, that has not been their experience. For a lot of people, when they hear the word father, it's not that it's helpful, it's hollow. It's hollow. Uh, that's their reaction. The father that they had in their lives was basically non-existent, just not there. Or he was nondescript. Or he was a now you see me, now you don't father. Or he was there physically, but not relationally, not emotionally. And the danger when you had that kind of hollow experience with an earthly dad is that then you will, you will just sort of fill in the blanks in understanding Father God, however you want. And God ends up being anything from a, a legalistic rule maker to a Santa Claus that only shows up to give good, good gifts. And that's all you know. And it's incomplete. And, and I hear teaching about Father God sometimes. And it's good as far as it goes, but they, they, don't, they don't say another part. They leave it incomplete. And you hear teaching about Father God, and people will say, you know, in Aramaic language that Jesus spoke in his time, Abba was the way they called Father. And they would use the word Abba, and the closest we have in the, the closest equivalent English word that we have is to say dad or daddy. So just go to God and call him Papa God, call him hey daddy. And it's awkward, but we also know that there's just something incomplete about just taking sovereign almighty God and just reducing him down to the level of just an earthly dad. It's incomplete. And Jesus is clear about that. He said, help me with the prayer now. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed, holy be your name. Do you see that? Holy. Holy means he's complete. We sang, you're a good father. You are perfect in all your ways. No earthly father is perfect, but he is because he is holy, holy, complete. That means, that means he's completely trustworthy, completely loving. He, when he corrects you, you can know that it's coming from a place of love. He doesn't want you to damage yourself or anybody else, so he corrects you. He's a, a good, loving father. He's holy. Now, you see this truth revisited again in another conversation. Jesus has gotten so close to his disciples. They get his heart for people. They understand the Father's mission. And so he says this to them. He says, say it aloud together with me, just the part in yellow. You are my friends if you do what I command. Now, do you think Jesus said it this way? You can be my friend if you do what I say. No, because who is it that's doing the commanding? This is holy God. This is the Son of God. This is the one who created all things. This is the Lord of the universe, right? So 
You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. He could trust them with his father's heart and his mission and his, his plan to help people. They, they, they got it. They signed on. They were with Jesus in his heart. But watch this. I go back to that previous slide here. You are my friends if you do what I command. Watch this. As long as they respected who Jesus was as one worthy to be obeyed, his commands to be obeyed, as long as that happened, they could then be his friends. Let, let, let me illustrate. I wasn't always a good boy. Don't look so shocked. I see you online. <laughs> and, and when I rebelled a bit, tried anyway. <laughs> when I did wrong, and my dad had a way of letting me know I was hurting him. And, but you know what happened to our relationship? It become distant. As long as I insisted on going my own way and doing what was wrong, it was distant. But watch this. As soon as I did what was right, and I didn't do stuff that damaged myself and others. As soon as I was obedient to his commands, <laughs> which were right and good for me, then there was closeness. Do you see that? As long as I respected his authority as my father, I could be close to him as his friend. As long as you respect the fact that he is a holy God worthy of your complete surrender and obedience, you have what it takes to be close to him as his friend. You can call him Abba Father. Do you see that? Oh, that's a wonderful truth. So what's the takeaway for people who are listening to me now who say, well, when I hear Father God, I just, it's just sort of a hollow concept to me. Listen to me. You can fill in the blanks now with a God who has revealed himself as loving, compassionate, kind, and good, caring enough to discipline you. That's how much he loves you. Caring enough to encourage you and to never give up on you. That's the kind of father you have. He's a father to the fatherless. You don't, have, you, you don't have to be left to fill in the blanks. You find out what he is really like by seeing how he interacted with people in the Bible, how he reveals himself. That's what you fill in the blanks with. All right. Now, there's some that I say, let's pray to our father. And they say, oh, that's helpful. Others will say, that's sort of hollow. But there are those who react by saying, you talk about father, that hurts. That hurts. I don't know what it's been about the last two weeks, both here in Toronto and a church I was speaking at last weekend in Guelph, Ontario, but met two people. They've turned out very well, and we'll get to the reasons why, but two with alcoholic fathers, one who beat them, even as a little baby, a little child. Uh, and someone else, they had a hard time relating to God because the father controlled them with his rage and the anger, and they were so fearful of him. And they just, it gets in the way of them approaching God. Last weekend, Esther and I were in uh, Guelph, Ontario, speaking four times in two days in a church. And, and I never forget, because it just stood out. It was, it was just like this morning when uh, Matt asked us to, to welcome one another. I turned around when the pastor in Guelph asked us to do that. And I went to greet a lady behind me, and, and she just almost cringed. 
You know, I just turned around and said hi and just reached out. And She was a dignified, sweet lady, saw her interacting with other people. And it just stood out as odd. thought, well, am I that mean when I get outside of Beijing court? You know, what's going on here? And uh, it was the last night and we were up at front and Esther and I were, along with pastors, praying for people for various things. And she came up to Esther and I, she said, you know, the earliest memories that I have of my dad was when he sexually abused me as a little baby and as a child. She said, I just can't even handle it. Just someone goes to touch and just, just, but she says, the Lord is healing me and I want you to pray for me. And it, it, it turned out good. But, but you know, there are people who have been sexually abused by someone who's supposed to be their father or a stepfather or someone in the church hierarchy who people call father. So what do you say to these people? Do you say, oh yeah, just, just Jesus said when you pray, go and pray our father. Do you tell them, well, just skip that. You know, the, the, the series is called Skip the Small Talk to Skip the Father Talk. And you just move on into the rest of your prayer. What do we say to people like that? So I want to tell you another father story. I want to tell you about a boy who never knew his father, really. He had met him, but he didn't really know him. Uh, his dad was hit with Huntington's Korea, Huntington's disease it's called today. It doesn't just give you physical disabilities, there's mental consequences, there's a loss of physical coordination in the body where you can't control your movements, but there's also a cognitive uh, function impairment and in the mind it affects you, your moods and you can be angry, you're just, you're just not yourself. And so, so this boy's dad lived in a separate residence in the same city as him. And that dad died when that boy was seven years of age. The dad that he sort of never knew. And because of just the dynamics, maybe dysfunction in the family, he wasn't even allowed to go to his dad's funeral. He had a single parent mom that worked full time. He was never told that he was loved, never once had a birthday until he got married. And he grew up a little wild and crazy. Quit high school. I should show you a picture of him. The boy I've been telling you about was my dad. In his late teens, he was invited to a Sunday school class, a children's ministry at a Bethel church in Ottawa. And Clayton Smith had a Sunday school teacher who was a Royal Canadian man of policeman who was the real deal. And uh, explained to those boys, it was a boys class, explained to them about the gospel and how Jesus loved them, could transform their lives, what he had done for them on the cross. And in an article my dad wrote, I'll quote him, he says, on Remembrance Day 1945, when the world was commemorating peace, I experienced peace with God through my Lord Jesus Christ. And my dad was all in, you know, the drinking and the smoking and whatever else he did, it was all gone. And Jesus and the Bible and witnessing to others was in. Thought of a story that I could tell you that just illustrate this. My, my, my dad decided, probably because of the influence of one of his heroes, that Sunday school teacher who was a Mountie, 
he decided that he wanted to be a mounted policeman. And so he went out to Regina, Saskatchewan, applied, accepted, was in training, and it was sort of a military thing back then. You're in these rooms where you... I still have the wool um, blanket that was on top of his bed then that they were given, and... Uh, you know, you, you had like beds one beside each other, lights went out at the same time. You know, it was sort of a military training kind of a context that he was in. But he had been told, listen, because he was a new Christian, if you're going to live for Jesus, you need to feed your soul and communicate with God. You need to read your Bible and pray every day. And so he took that literally. And so, you know, the, at the end of a day of, uh, you know, very extreme exercises, weeding out those that couldn't make it in the Mounties, he, at the end of the day, he'd take out his Bible and start to read it. And people say, what are you reading? Well, the Bible, you know, and that brought on a lot of mockery. And then he didn't know any better. He thought when you prayed, you had to kneel. And so he would get beside his bed in this barracks of young men, and he would kneel down beside his bed, and you can imagine the mockery that that brought on. He said, I had a few mounted police boots get hurled at me. He said, I learned it was wiser to pray in the dark. He was all in. Loved Jesus with all of his heart. So, fast forward to when he's just about to go to be with the Lord in a hospital in Langley. I'm spending hours with him, and I ask a question. I've as I've pastored people, I just look at his life and I'm thinking, how did that happen? And so I said, Dad, how is it? How did you ever become such a, a loving, attentive, kind dad when you never even had one in your own life? And he always would pause and think. And he gave me the same answer no matter how hard I prompted. He'd say this. He'd say, I don't know, Keith. The Lord's just been so good to me. Oh, come on, Dad, there has to be more. Like, help me pastor other people and fill in the blanks. How did it happen for you experientially in your walk with God? He'd just say, I don't know, Keith. The Lord's just been so good to me. So since he went to, the, to be with the Lord, I've been able to sort of let the dominoes fall and just think back to those times. And I, I know this. He loved Jesus Christ with all of his heart. He's loved the Lord so much. And, and, and in the days where you had to pay to do long-distance phone calls, he'd phone me up and say, Keith, i got to tell you what I just saw in the Bible today. <laughs> or he'd come visiting with us, come rushing out of a room saying, look what, look what I, I saw in the Bible today. And I'd... I just see this person that loved the Lord so very much and realized that the blanks in his life were actually filled in by one who is a father to the fatherless. He let the Lord do that. Now, I tell you that because I want you to know that whatever kind of father you had, didn't have, wish you had, wish you didn't have, God wants to be your father. He wants to be your father. 
But you can't just fill in the blanks with what you want him to be. You have to see who he really is. So I want to talk to you. Some, some of you, you know, you're online. I don't know what room you're in where you're listening to me right now. But if I was to sit down in that room with you and have a conversation and you, and you said, well, I was hurt by my dad. He wasn't really a dad to me. Or I didn't even know who my dad was. I'd have the same conversation with every one of you in this room if we sat down together. And I would tell these three things that I have learned. And that is this. Number one, replace your picture of Father God with his son. No, 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 don't, don't rush ahead of me on that. Just, just let Jesus explain this. Philip comes to him one time. He says, show us the Father. Show us the Father, Jesus. Here's what he says. He says, how long have I been with you? You haven't recognized me yet? Listen to him. Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, say it aloud together with me. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Did you ever read in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, I and the Father are one. I do nothing unless the Father asks me to do it. Talk about closeness. And Jesus is saying here, you want to know what the Father looks like? Take a good look at me. Look at my love. Look at what I will do. Look at my correction out of love. Look at how I care for people. You want to know what the Father's like? Take a good look at me. You know, uh, Philip Yancey, another Philip, tells in one of his books about a professor at Oxford who every time she heard God as Father, in her words, anger flared up in her. She would just react with anger because of her experience with her earthly father. Until the day she read about this conversation Jesus had with Philip. And she read that anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And in the Gospels, she saw the way that Jesus treated people, sacrificed for them, always did what was best for them, was holy in his treatment of people, the way he treated women, the way he cared for people, no matter rich or poor, whatever background they were from them, he was so just and fair with all of them. She began to replace her ideas of Father God with a true picture of a Father God that you see in his Son. Because he who gets to know Jesus gets to know his. You, you've heard the expression, like Father, like Son? Jesus says, like Son, like Father. You get to know the Son, you'll get to know exactly what the Father is like. So I don't know where you're at in the fatherhood experience in your own life, but I would say this to you, get to know Jesus. If you want to know what Father God is like, get to know Jesus. Like son, like father. There's something else I say to you is this. Recover from Christ's cross what you've lost. Recover from Christ's cross the wholeness that you're missing. The wholeness that's been taken from you. The wholeness that you've lost. Now, track with me. Have you ever wondered why Jesus Christ didn't just die for our sins quickly? I mean, his death was going to pay the price for our sins. Why did Jesus suffer? Have you ever seen the, the movie, The Passion of Christ? How many of you have seen it once? You don't want to see it again. What he went through, the prolonged, traumatic, torturous suffering. Why? 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 If, if he just needed to die for our sins, why didn't he just do that? 
Isaiah 53 says, this is the way God planned it. Why did he go through all of this? Why the abandonment of those that he entrusted himself to? Why betrayal from someone that he had given so much to? Why the torture of interrogation and mockery and, and, and whipping? Why not just have him die? Why did Jesus go through all of that? Why the crucifixion? Do you know the crucifixion method of execution was adopted by the Romans because, and they sort of made it as, as, as painful and as drawn out as it could be. The, the objective was to cause someone to die the most painful and, and death, and the, the, longest, the longer it would take to die, the better. That was their objective. Why? Why did Jesus go through all of that? And why the shame? Why did that have to be part of the story? Why strip Jesus and put him on public display? And listen to me closely now, those that have been physically abused. Why was his body broken? Why the violation of Jesus' body to that extreme? Why did he have to get to a point where, where our sin was put upon him? We sang it today, the father turned his face away. Over a hundred times in the Gospels, Jesus calls God Father. Not when he's on the cross. Our sin separates him from his father, and he doesn't cry out, Abba, Father, like he just did hours before in the Garden of Gethsemane. He cries out what? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How can you stand by and watch this happen to me? So why did Father God and Son Jesus choose to go through the worst ever father-child experience? To see your child suffer, go through what Jesus did. You know, I know some say, they'll just tell me, well, now we'll never be able to say that Jesus doesn't understand what I'm going through. 110%, that's true. How many are, are, are thankful? He can sympathize with all of our weaknesses, as Hebrews says. How many are thankful that you have a God who gets it? He understands what you go through. But listen to me, I, I think there's more to it here that's going on. I don't think any human can now say, God cannot heal me after what my father did to me. I don't think anyone can say that now. There's a process of healing that's available to us all. Let, let, let Jesus explain why he went through all the physical and mental torture. First of all, the physical. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. You're the one that he went through all of that for. saying, I took care of the worst that happened to your body and, I, and, and even to your mind, to that betrayal and the torturous abandonment and separation because he wants to see you healed. He took it upon himself. I think Peter says it best. Listen, by his stripes we are healed. By his stripes we are healed. Oh, listen to me, dear one. Jesus conquered all the abandonment and betrayal and abuse and shame that you have gone through. Jesus conquered it. How many know he took it upon him? He conquered it and he rose from the dead. He rose up over it. How many understand <laughs> when you are in Christ, 
all of that is conquered in your life and you can rise above it too. If anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. How many understand you have a father now who loves you and wants to see you whole, wants to see you holy even as he is holy. Jesus has recovered for us what was lost and stolen. How many can just stop and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And then the, the third thing I would say to you, if we were talking about this and you were trying to just sort of say, well, do I have to live my life without closeness to Father God, without Abba Father in those moments of my life? I, I'd say this to you as well. I'd say, reach out to your Father from the deepest part of you. Reach out to your Father from the deepest part of you. All right, here's where we're going here. Prayer is not just saying, our Father. Prayer is listening to Him talk to us by His Holy Spirit. Romans 8 says this, For you do not receive a spirit of slavery that returns you to fear, but you receive the spirit of, that that's daughter, and son, by whom we cry, we've got a spirit in us that, and that's, that's through whom we cry, Abba, Father, closeness to Father God. Now, what happens when you cry, Abba, Father? The Spirit himself testifies. He, he witnesses. He verifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You say, Abba, Father? He says, yes, my child through the Holy Spirit. Isn't that something? You know, every time, I have such a special place in my heart for people from single-parent homes, but I've talked to some of them, and I tell them the same thing as I tell another one. And one of them gets it and gets traction spiritually and pursues Father God, and the other one just stays frozen in self-pity or just going through the same things all over again that just never frees them from where they have been. Never brings them into that new place. But I tell you, I've met people on pastoral staffs and in churches I've pastored over the years. And I have such an admiration for them. And I will say this to them, I know how much it meant to me personally in my spiritual journey to have a dad who helped me get to Father God. He, I, I, it helped me so much. I don't know what I would do without that. And yet here you are. You didn't have that in your life. You had a father who damaged your relationship with any concept of fatherhood. And yet here you are living for Jesus and following Father God. Because God's been good to you. And that's what you focus on. Oh, there's, we're going to get into this tonight. It'll sort of be to be continued tonight at Cathedral. But when you cry from the deepest part of you, Abba, Father, how many are grateful he's there to say, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. You know, since my dad went to be with the Lord, uh, I have three sisters and a brother. And uh, every time I visit my sisters, because we live in different cities uh, for most of the year, and when they're visiting or we're visiting them every couple of years or whatever, before I leave, I'll always take my sister aside, and, and they always just want to hug goodbye and blah, blah, and all this stuff. And, and, and I'll, just, I'll just take them by the hands, and I'll say, just, just look at me, Leanne. Look at me, Susan. Look at me, Sandra. 
I know Dad would be so very proud of the person that you have become. And I'm proud of you too. And I want you to know that, especially since Dad's died, if there's anything I could ever do for you, I always say this, anything good that I can do for you. <laughs> I trust my sisters. Anything good that I can ever do for you, I will do it. As long as I live, I'll always be there for you. And they'll say things like, oh, Keith, you're my rock. And I want you to know Jesus is your rock. It's just, but you know, when there's something about this prayer, sometimes we just know what it is to go before God, and Pastor Jonathan helped us understand it's a relationship, but, but stay there long enough for him to, for you, not just to tell, for you to tell him what you need and want, but stay there long enough for you to hear him say, <laughs> You're my child. And whatever you need that's good for you, I'm going to give it to you. Because I'm a good, good father. Amen? Amen? Let's pray about this. Lord, I pray that you'd help every one of us in this room at Kennedy and Finch and every one of us online, wherever in the world we literally are. Help every one of us right now Take a next step in the direction of knowing and trusting Father God. In this prayer series, Cathedral Tonight, and as we move further into truth, get us to a place where we can say, Abba, Father. And thank you, Jesus, and thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've got what it takes to get us there. Jesus, what you did for us on the cross... Thank you that you bring healing to the broken areas of our lives and you bring your wholeness. You were broken for us. And thank you, Jesus, for filling in the blanks that we can know how good Father God is by getting to know you and seeing how you interacted with people like us. And Lord, help every one of us get to a place that from the deepest part of us, we reach out to Abba Father. We may we have Abba Father moments daily in our lives. Lord, thank you that there's no need for any one of us to spend the rest of our lives without the help of a loving, wise, correcting, and encouraging Father. You are a good, good Father. Make sure you don't miss a message by subscribing to this podcast. All creative content and production for this podcast is provided by the One Church Creative Team.